Bishop. You may not commit adultery. You may not go into the occult. You may not steal. You may not do all the bad things that you call sin. And yet the Almighty you say, will say of you, you are wicked. Because the guy in Matthew 25 didn't steal. He didn't commit adultery. He didn't double into occultism. He didn't serve other gods. He didn't cheat his neighbor. He didn't tell any lies. As a matter of fact, he was a very, very, very truthful person. He said, take that which is thine. The way you gave it to me is the way I'm doing what? I'm giving it back to you. I didn't use it when I had problems. I didn't borrow it when my mother-in-law died. I preserved your thing for in fact I spent my money to buy handkerchief to wrap it I spent my money to pay diggers to dig so that I can keep it safe for you take your thing the way you gave it to me and the master said you are wicked now I don't know how many wicked people I now missed because according to the scripture we are dealing with wickedness is not using what God has given you to serve his purpose the gift that God has given you anything when the Bible says the manifestation of the spirit there it's not just talking about the gift of speaking in tongues or the gift of prophecy or the gift of miracles anything that the spirit of God has given to you and Bible says in James 1 and verse 17 every good gift and every perfect gift comes from where? comes from above from the father of light in whom there is no variableness neither shadow of turning anything good in your life never belongs to you anything anything good in your life even your good looks didn't belong to you your good looks is a manifestation of the spirit if you don't know. We're not just dealing with spiritual gifts. Anything that has come from the father to you is a gift from God to you for you to use to his word. And it is wickedness not to do so. You know... I mean, you look at it, it says children, Psalm 127, is it? It says children are what? Are the heritage of the Lord, the fruit of the womb is his reward. So even our children are manifestations of the spirit. I can put it that way. Because they are gifts given to you by the working of the spirit of God. Even if you never prayed before you got a child, that child is the gift of God. Am I correct? Even if you never prayed, you don't even understand what I'm saying. Even your car. You will tell yourself, I know how I labored before I can get the money to get this car. Ha, ah, you are making a mistake. Your wife, everything good in your life is the gift of God. Everything good in your life is the gift of God. Everything good in your life is the gift of God. Wherever you are hearing me, just take it and know it. Everything good, even if you, even if you didn't sleep for 
100 days before you got it and you can have a way to say I know what I suffered before I got this thing for as long as that thing is good it's the gift of God your health is the gift of God some people are using the health that God has given them to commit immorality maybe it's because you are hale and hearty that's why you can commit immorality is that also a sick man can <laughs> a sick man can do all those things you know that so it's the gift of God. And the Bible says, the gifts of God in your life are for a purpose. What's the purpose? To profit for the giver. And you want to pray this morning that God will have mercy on you and I. That wheresoever we are not using his gifts for his profiting, God must forgive us. And then he must help us to make amends. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, when you sing and say, my lifetime, I will give God my lifetime. Of course, what you are doing is to give him what belongs to him. You are giving to him. And now I return to you. When I sing that song, I will say, now I return to you the life that you gave to me. You are the life that I live. That's my own way of singing that song. So it's not just song that he gave to me. Even this life, he gave it to me. And it's got to be the life that I live. Last month, I spoke, or God spoke to us about keeping our lives in order. Listen, this is part of it. You are out of order when you are not using God's gifts in your life to serve God's purpose. You may not be doing something evil with it, but God calls it wickedness. Anywhere and everywhere I have failed to use the gifts you have given me for your purpose and your profit. Lord, forgive me today and help me to make necessary amen. That's your prayer. Open your mouth and pray in the name of Jesus. Open your mouth and pray. And I just hope somebody understands what I'm saying. I just hope somebody understands what I'm saying. I repent of everywhere I have not used your gifts in my life for your purpose. And I'm asking you from today to help me. To help me, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Thank you, Father. Can we shout hallelujah? You can go home and take up that prayer and pray properly. Please, let's have our seats. Now, before I go into the message, let me quickly make this few announcements very quickly. I want to thank the Lord for um, our women and all that they did last month. Can we put our hands together for the women, please? 
No, help me put it together very well. I used to know it, but now I know it more. That even if men may claim to be powerful, women have strength. Hallelujah. And if I tell you the truth, better believe me, strength is better than power. Because when power fails, strength carries on. That's what a woman is for you. And so I pity those who don't respect women. I pity them because they're just playing with their own strength. I really pity people who don't respect women. I pity men who don't respect their wives. Because your power will go one day, I'm telling you. By whatever definition you call that power. Whether it is the power under or the power whichever way. It will go one day. But strength will remain. That's your woman. And when your power goes and you don't have strength to help you, may you not live a miserable life. You don't understand me. It's all right. So the women had, or we had a women's program last, um, last month, 19th of February, and it was something else. In fact, I envied the women. I envied them. And those of you whose wives came for that meeting, I know that you know that uh, something happened that day. So I celebrate our women, all the women that um, pulled that wonderful thing by the grace of God. I celebrate all of you. Um, the Lord will bless you in Jesus' name. But this month, on the 9th, 19th of this month, we're going to have a music minister's um, summit. The Father's Business Music Minister's Summit. So all of you in the music ministry, we want you to be here from 9 a.m. Saturday, the 19th of March. All your music directors, choir coordinators, choir members, please encourage them to come. They will be blessed. And they will return stronger and better to serve God in your ministry. I hope you know that I'm not here to take your choir members. I don't need them. <laughs> There's nothing they're going to do here for me. Praise God. <laughs> I don't need them. But we want to try and in the various departments of the church and ministry, we want to try and um, do the little that God will give us grace to do to impart their lives. So that while you as ministers hear what you hear, your lieutenants can also hear what will help them to help you. We will have meetings for the ushers very soon. We will announce it once we are done with the preparation. We will have meetings for the youth. We will announce it once we are done with the preparation. But for Saturday 19th of March, it's the turn of music ministers. Let all your choir members, all your... If you don't have this handbill, they will give it to you. And not just have the handbills, take, you know, quantities, help us take quantities and help us spread the news. Okay? I'm, I'm trusting God that the music minister's meeting will be better than the women's meeting. 
The women did marvelously. This place didn't contain people. They beat us men, they beat us hands down. And some men were here and, oh, it was something else. The men that were here, ah, we almost felt like becoming women. <laughs> because it was just too good, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, it was just too good, too super, super graced meeting. So I'm trusting the Lord that the music minister's meeting will be far bigger and better. Amen. In the name of Jesus. And so please um, get the ambulance, help us spread the news. Uh, there will be so many things. There will be music training. There will be master class on music and choir essentials. And um, uh, if they give me room, I will say one or two things. If they give me room, they don't have to give me. Okay? Praise God. They don't have to give me, but if they give me room, I will say one or two things that you are not likely to hear from them. Because <laughs> praise the Lord. So please, let's put that in mind. And then of course, April 6th is the next Father's Business Summit. Wednesday, April 6th. Let's do our diligence to come and come on time, 9 a.m. And God is going to bless us more and more in Jesus' name. Uh, let me also quickly use this opportunity to announce that on Saturday, 12th March, um, that should be two Saturdays to come, I think. Right. Um, there is a big conference um, powered by Sunshine Global Vision, and the theme is Undefeatable Vision. It's holding in Nijabode at uh, Victory of the Cross Bible Church. Uh, Holy Ghost City, Mowoi Baden Road, Nijabode. You are all cordially invited. I've been in that meeting several times, you know, uh, to minister in that meeting. And I can tell you that if you go, you will get blessed. All right, praise the Lord. Let me start where I will end. Uh, let me start where I will end. So let's take our Bibles quickly and turn to Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 12. That's why I'm going to end this scripture, I mean, sorry, this teaching, God helping me. But let's start there. Are you ready? Are you ready? Uh-huh. Because we are going to hear a few things today that, um, I don't know whether they will sound controversial, I don't know. But you are going to hear some things, maybe some things that you are not prepared for. But it's all aimed at getting you where God wants you to be. That's the aim. My purpose in ministry is just to get you doing what God wants you to do. All right. All right. So, Philippians 3, verse 12. Um, if you've seen it, you can read for me um, so that I don't bother opening. Not as though I had already attained. Okay. And I'm not already perfect. Now please listen. Listen attentively to this part of that scripture. But I follow after if I follow after with the aim of doing what? Of apprehending. Now the word apprehend could mean 
to understand something. But it also means to handle something. Now, the two meanings are important in the scripture we're reading. And they are very fundamental to the subject of purpose. I follow after if I may what? Apprehend. Yes. I follow after if I may lay hold on the reason why Christ did what? Laid hold on me. I follow after if I may understand and then lay hold on it and grab it and hold it preciously that for which or the reason why Christ did what? Laid hold on me. There is a reason why Christ did what? Laid hold on you. That thing, that reason is what we call purpose. The sad thing is that you can live your entire life without doing what? Without laying hold on it. May your life never become a useless life. Let me quickly say this because I don't know how God will cause me to flow today whether I will have a chance to go into this note or not. Let me say this very quickly. There are many, many, many useless lives building mansions even for God. Now help me take care of your phones please. There are many, 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 many useless lives building big, 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 big ministries. Are you listening to me? I hope I'm not going to scatter anybody's theology today. There are many, 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 many useless lives with huge following. There are many, 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 many useless lives performing miracles, signs, and wonders. I mean, you don't go too far to understand what I'm saying. I mean, Matthew chapter 7, verse from 21 to 23, he says, many will come unto me and say, Lord, 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 Lord. And I will say, what? I never knew. He said, many. He said, not everyone that names the name of the Lord, that calls me Lord, will enter. And he said, many will come to me that day and say, did we not cast out what? And I'm going to say to them, I don't know you. Ye that what? Work it. That's a useless life. So a useless life, you will follow me anywhere I go. A useless life can perform miracles. A useless life can build a big ministry. A useless life can have a church that has more people in it than did all the people in this town. Let me help you a few, a little further. Paul the apostle that was saying this thing. I hope you know when he wrote the book to the Philippians. I hope you know that. I hope you know that the 
epistle to the Philippians was written at the tail end of Paul's life. I hope you know that that epistle was written in prison when he was in the prison at Rome. And Paul never left that prison alive. So that letter, that statement I just read to you or that was just read to us was a statement that was made when life was at the night time. And let's analyze the statement a little bit. He said, I follow after. I'm struggling. I'm doing all that I can. To do what? Now, do you lay hold on what you already laid hold on? Hello? I don't know whether that question makes sense. Do you seek to grab what is already in your hand? So what does that statement suggest? It means Paul was looking at his life, a life that had gone around the world preaching nothing but the gospel three times, a life that had raised the dead several times, a life that had opened the ears of the deaf and opened the eyes of the blind and a, a, a life that has made the cripple to walk, a life that has done many, many, many wonderful things in the name of the Lord. And he looked at that life and he was having a question in his heart. With all that I have done, and with all the suffering that accompanied my life in fastings often, in hunger, in need, under persecution from my own people, three times I've been beaten with rods. He said twice I've suffered shipwreck. He said with all of that, there is a question in my heart. Have I fulfilled that which Christ apprehended me? I don't know what clock you are now in your life. But I think we should give this matter attention. Hallelujah. Now, I said a few things about purpose last month when I was dealing with put your life in order. And I was saying to you, a life out of purpose is a life out of order. You remember all that. I think you will do well to go and listen to that message again. Uh, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you ask me, I will tell you that that's a message to listen to over and over and over and over again and apply to your life. Same with the one that we're just uh, going to be sharing here today. And um, I want to add to some of the things I've said that a life out of purpose is a murdered destiny. A destiny that has been killed. Murdered. That's why you must find your purpose. And when I speak about purpose, I'm not speaking about it in the way people talk about purpose ordinarily. I am talking about God's word. 
Because there are too many of us who have worked out purpose for ourselves. There are many of us who have organized our own purpose by ourselves. As a matter of fact, the reason why there are troubles in ministry and in the church world is because there are too many people running with self-organized purposes. Because God is not the author of confusion. We all couldn't have been walking in his purpose for our lives and there will be trouble. I mean, it's like the component parts of an engine. Just like it is the component parts of the body. There is held in the body because every member of the body is doing what he or she or he, what it was designed to do. Now the moment any part of your body is not doing what it was designed to do, that's when you have health challenge. Is that not so? So the body of Christ has health challenge because that which should be hand loves to run like the leg. That which should be ear wants to see like the eye. That which should be mouth wants to smell like the nose. That's why we have problems. Any problem in your ministry is related to what I've just spoken about. And so we must answer that question. What is God's purpose for my life? Why has God called me into the ministry? Why am I where God has planted me? Because until you get that, you are not in divine reckoning. Until you get that, you are not, you may be in men's reckoning, okay? But you are not in divine reckoning. Let me say a few things to you. I said understanding purpose. Now, I've, I defined purpose to you the other time as a reason for living. That is to say God's reason, God's designated reason for your living, alright? But look at this few points. Your life is meaningless before God. Until you are in purpose. Your life is meaningful only when you are in within the confines of purpose. His purpose. And let me say this. It is possible, and that's clear from some of the things I've said. It's possible to have spent 20, 30 years in ministry and still be outside of purpose. So it has nothing to do with your age. Let me say this again. It may sound simple. You may be in ministry and not be in purpose. So life outside of purpose is totally, I mean totally meaningless to God. No matter what that life achieves. Now that life can achieve great things. No, no doubt about that. But like I must have said many, 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 many times, you, it's possible if you've been current here, you would have had me say this more than once, I know, that when we get there on that day, and he says some works will be burnt, it's not evil works that will be burnt, it's good works. Because no evil work will get to him. It is the uncommanded assignments that you did 
The functions that you function outside of purpose, that will be burnt. So don't look at your achievement to determine your purpose. Oh. That's the wrong place to look. I want you to understand this, my people. Righteousness loses its value outside of purpose. Can I repeat that? Righteousness loses its value outside of purpose. No matter how righteous you are, when you are out of purpose, the reward for that righteousness, you will never get it. It's like faithfulness. Faithfulness loses its meaning outside of purpose. No matter how faithful you are in another man's business, you'll never get the reward for that faithfulness. Faith outside of purpose will eventually bring frustration. If you have faith, have it to thyself. <laughs> Your safety is better guaranteed in the context of purpose. A man in purpose is a very, very safe man. A man outside of purpose is living a very dangerous life. Sometimes you need to understand that some of the troubles you have, is linked to the fact that you are outside of purpose. Now that doesn't mean you are not doing good things. That doesn't mean what you are doing is not biblical. I mean you have heard me say things like this many times. It doesn't mean what you are doing is not scriptural. It doesn't even mean what you are doing is not blessing lives. But when you are out of purpose, you are not safe. When you are out of purpose, you silence the voice of God. When you are out of purpose, it becomes difficult to hear God. And if you hear him, you will not hear him in the essential things. Am I making sense to somebody? When Saul got out of purpose, you know the story, 1 Samuel 28, 6. God will not speak to him. Bible says the Lord answer him not by Urim or Tumim or by the prophets or by dreams or by any way. You remember Jonah? Bible says in Jonah 1 3, when he went out of purpose, he went out of the presence of God. And if you read that scripture verse 3 very well, Bible says, and Jonah went down. He said he went down at least two times. Because when you are out of purpose, no matter the height you attain in life, you are where? I don't know whether I'm making sense to somebody. Now, let me show you what I found. Abel, everything I've said to you, I want to bring Abel to you. And God will have to help me with this message so that I can put everything together because I need to get to a particular place <clears throat> before my time is off. Now, you remember Abel. Bible described him as a righteous man. 
Jesus said in Matthew 23, 25, he said, and all the blows that has been spilled from the blood of righteous Abel, you remember? That's a righteous man. But don't forget what I said. Righteousness loses value out of what? Purpose. Hebrews 11 verse 4, I think, names him as a man of faith. For he gave his offering by what? By faith. But faith loses value, sir. When you live out of purpose. Let me show you where I'm going before I get there. With all this qualification, why would his life end the way it ended? This is where I say maybe some of the things I will say will be controversial. But you can't, you can't fault scripture. You can't. You can't. You can't. The wickedness of Cain prevailed over the righteousness of Abel. The faithlessness of Cain prevailed over the faith of Abel. I told you we read Isaiah 57 the other time in January when we started. You know, uh, the first meeting we had in January, I told you. He says, the righteous perish it. The merciful men have been taken away. He said, nobody's laying it to heart. And I said to you, I said, the righteous won't perish because of unrighteousness, because he's been named righteous. He will perish in his righteousness because his life is what? Out of order. I pray for you. This year you won't miss it. Because this is a very critical year for you to settle certain things. There are certain things that must not, you must not live this year with those things still with you. There are certain things you run your life and ministry with for years. And not, God didn't say anything. Those things, may God help you to discover them because they will not follow you to the next year. Because some people, I mean, let me, let me, let me, I don't want to say certain things. Because I don't want to, I don't want to release misers that we not help our lives. So I'm here to help us. Eh? The gift that God has given to me is to build and edify. Eh? Uh -huh. Praise the Lord. What I found is that Abel, now, you didn't see that written maybe in black and white in the Bible. But what I found is that Abel lived his life out of purpose. Oh, you can be righteous and still be out of purpose. You can be caught and uncaught holy and still be out of purpose. You can be good. You can be everything positive and still be out of purpose. That's the reason why all those goodness and righteousness and holiness are not producing the results they should produce. Genesis chapter 4. Let me show you what I saw. Genesis chapter 4. Verse 2. And are you there? Because I want you to see. You see, every word in this scripture, every word, in fact, every letter, in fact, Jesus said every title has a significance. And let me tell you, the ordering of the scripture is significant. That a particular word comes before another word. There is a reason, because God is not a God who does things without purpose. Everything he does, even the minutest things, the things that appear not to mean anything to us, God does those 
things with what? Definite purpose. He's going every, he's going, he's doing everything because he's going in a particular direction. He sent his word is for a purpose to heal them and deliver them out of their destruction. And he sent it in the manner in which he sends it to be able to accomplish the purpose for which he says, so shall my word be. You know the scriptures anyway. And again, look at it. Hebrews, I mean, sorry, uh, Genesis 4 2. And what? She again did what? Wait, wait, wait. She again bear what? The first identification of Abel in the Bible is what? Brother. He was born to be a brother to Cain. We even got his mission before we got his name. And that is the pattern of God. Every time God brings people to the earth and he announces that he's bringing somebody to the earth, he announces their purpose before he announces their names. He announces their purpose far ahead of time before they are born. And she again bear what? His brother. She again bear his brother. And then they gave us the name of that brother to be what? To be Abel. You know, like you will find in the case of Israel and Jacob, there are things that God allows to happen because he already knew what will happen. I don't know whether you got what I just said. There are things that God allows to happen because he already knew what will happen. Why did God say the elder will serve the younger? That does not mean that is the design of God. But he already knew that this one will behave in such a way that he will end up serving his brother. His younger one. And that's why that's a subject for another day, but I'll just mention it. That's why you need to understand the difference between prophecy and the will of God. I said this many, many times in 2014, 2015 towards Nigeria's election. That we can have prophecy that we say XYZ will be president. It doesn't mean it is the will of God. The problem with the church is that we don't know the difference. We think every prophecy is the will of God. God said, your descendants, he said to Abraham, your descendants will be 400 years in a land of slavery. That was not the will of God. But he said it because he knew that people will not do what they were supposed to do and they will end up in slavery. That's a subject for another day. I can't go into that today. But that's just the truth. So God knew that Abel that was born to be brother will not be brother. That's why he called his name Abel. You know the meaning of Abel? It means nonsense. It means vapor. It means something that is passing away. It means something that will not last. That's the meaning of Abel. It means a breath. It will just appear like a breath because it's not going to fulfill its purpose. It means vanity. 
you don't know the same word translated rebel is the same word Solomon was calling all his what vanity upon vanity in Ecclesiastes it's the same word somebody say purpose say it again say purpose say it again say purpose say it again say purpose it means meaningless that's the meaning of Abel why did God allow him to be labeled meaningless because he knew he will not fulfill his word his purpose now the Bible says and she bear again his brother the word translated brother there means a nurse It means a friend, a compatriot, a pal, a body. Somebody that sticks with you. Somebody that helps you through life. I wrote a book some years ago, I think 2009. Brotherly Relationships, it's a small book. I don't know whether I still have copies there. I wrote that book. And I wrote that book... Because I gained an understanding about the life of this man called Abel. And I balanced this life with some of the things I've read in scripture. You saw your brother giving an offering to God that is not acceptable. And you didn't say anything. And you were going to do the right thing. I mean, David said, I was glad when I had them say, let us go into the house of the Lord. He wasn't going into the house of the Lord. Somebody saw that, he, that it is good to go into the house of the Lord. And he saw him that he's not going and he invited him. But he saw his brother and he was going to do the right thing and he knew his brother wasn't going to do the right thing and he couldn't even say, my brother, let's do it this way. Now, there are many bells in our midst. You see your brother, you are here, you are wearing good shoes, you are wearing good clothes, you see your brother is, is in tatters and it doesn't concern you and you still come to church together. You still attend PFM meeting together. You attend camp meeting together. You attend ministers' conferences together. You are a bell. You are able. No, you are able. Because you are supposed to be your brother's keeper. And your brother is hungry. And your brother has nothing. And you have something. And you can't even do anything. You are able. Your life doesn't have meaning to that brother at least. At least to that brother, you are, you are, not a, you are non-existent. You are meaningless. You are able. We just meet in church. We, we don't have anything in common. That's the way you are. And only God knows how many lives to whom you are meaningless. So, Abel was born to be something that he never was. I don't know whether somebody understands me this morning. And therefore, because he was not a brother, he died before his time. You know what I try to understand? Righteous, a man of faith. Because, uh, and why did he, John told us, and why did he kill his brother? Because his own works were evil and his brother's works were what? Were righteous. And God opened his eyes and looked until that man was what? Uh -uh. Check your Bible very well. If you found any discussion between God and Abel, check it. Check it. Check it. It's interesting that even God and Cain were talking. 
Because when you are out of purpose, you silence God's voice over your life. What's the meaning of Cain? Cain means, it means javelin. It means spear. And he fulfilled his purpose. He speared his brother to death. These are mysteries. I didn't go to Bible school, so I don't know how to do certain things or say certain things. I just say it the way I understand it. So if it happens to be a bit controversial, you just sit with the scripture and look at the scripture yourself because I won't tell you anything outside of the scripture anyway. So what I'm saying is this. When you look at the volume of communication between unrighteous Cain and God and the silence between righteous Abel and God, it should give you concern. It should give you concern that something is missing. That there is a missing link. And my prayer is that for some of us who are operating an able kind of life, that we are priding ourselves in our so-called righteousness, we are priding ourselves in our correctness in the faith, and priding ourselves with all the good, good things and positive things we are doing, and priding ourselves with all the scriptural things that we are doing, and yet we are out of purpose. Huh? I didn't mean to scare you, but time is running out. And I hope somebody will understand me. I don't know how many people I'm talking to, really. But I just hope somebody will understand me. Tell your neighbor, say purpose. Say it again, say purpose. I mean, that tells you how fundamental what we're dealing with is. That tells you how fundamental what we're dealing with. Now, take note of the following things. Purpose gives definition to life and also gives you fulfillment. Purpose gives definition to life and also gives you what? Fulfillment. Now, I said a lot of people confuse excitement with fulfillment. Now, when there are certain things, listen, no matter how well you are out of purpose. No, 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 you didn't get that. No matter how well you are out of purpose and no matter how far away from purpose you are. Are you hearing me now? If you have good money, you will be excited. Are you getting what I'm saying? When you are completely, in fact, when you are an enemy of God, if you get good money, you will be excited. The excitement will drown the enmity between you and God. You won't even remember that you are an enemy of God. You won't remember. If God is angry with a man and God himself comes down and says, I am very angry with you. I'm going to kill you. And the moment God said that, somebody just dropped $1.5 billion in fact, you will sing like Sonny. Let me do it. Let me shop this one first. Ah! And so, people confuse excitement with what? There are many excited ministers who are not fulfilled. Because they have. Now, you. you Toys give you excitement. Eh? Toys. You know toys. 
you know children. When you buy them toys, they can even forget that they have not eaten. You understand? Now, there are what we call adult toys. All those fancy cars, all those big buildings, all those money. They are what I call adult toys. When you have them, even they said when you drink beer, you forget your sorrow. I mean, so there are people who are out of purpose and therefore out of fulfillment, but they are finding reasons to be excited and they think that is all that there is to life. I said, there are many in search of fulfillment. And while they were going looking for fulfillment, they found excitement along the way. And they settled down and said, we don't need anything again. Let me give you an example from the other side. An example from where? From the other side. You remember Haman? In the book of Esther. Now, Haman, if you check... <laughs> Hebrews 5, I mean, sorry, Esther 5.13. You will understand what I'm just about to say. Amon was raised by the devil to destroy the Jews. And he knew his purpose. Hello? He knew the reason why he was in that estate at that time. And he pursued his purpose relentlessly, vigorously. How I wish we also will just know our purpose like that and then, and then run with it. <laughs> now, while Haman was looking for how to fulfill his purpose, he saw wealth along the way. He saw exaltation. He saw promotion. He became second in command to the king. He saw honor. He saw many, many, many beautiful things that a man could wish for in life. Let's go to chapter 5 verse 13. Let's read what it says. He said, all these, he just came, he just came from a promotion meeting. They just gave him another promotion. And people were hailing him and saying, wow, what a wonderful life you have. Wow, I will give anything to be in your place. Wow, you know, like they said to some of you, they oh, great man of God is doing a great work for the Lord. And then it will enter your head, to your head will swear. You are doing great work for the Lord. Marvelous work. Like one of my, one of my sons here, one day I hope God will give him grace. He will share his testimony. He was looking for purpose. He knew he was out of purpose. He knew something was wrong with his life. And he was looking for a solution. But whenever he meets men of God, they will say, oh, you are doing wonderfully well. They say, wow, a man that has done this more than you have done, wow, you don't have any problem. 
So they said to Haman, I will give anything to be where you are. And Haman told them, you don't understand purpose. Haman told them, I was not sent to this place to get promotion. He said to them, look, I was not brought into this estate to become second in command to the king. All of those things are supposed to help me achieve my purpose. So he told the people, he told anyone that will want to hear, and I, I'm just hoping that we as servants of God will we, we'll get to this realm where all the things we gain and get will pale in significance to God's purpose for our lives. He said, yet, read for me. All these things mean nothing to me. They profit nothing to me. I don't care about all this big crowd that are following me. I don't care about all these praises that I'm getting. I don't care about all the money that is flowing in my bank account. I don't care about all the houses. You know that when eventually the guy died, Bible says Mordecai was made second in command to the king. Esther was wife to the king. And then Bible says the king gave the properties, the estate of Haman to who? To Esther and Mordecai. I mean, the queen already had everything. But he must tell you that the estate of Haman must be something that you can still present to a queen. But that guy said, all that mighty estate, they avail me what? Nothing. The problem with us in the ministry is that the little successes that God has given us have lost too many things. They get into our head and we think that is life. All this availed me nothing. Yes. So long as I see the symbol of my purpose still unattended to. So long as I see Mordecai. Yes. The Jew. So that you don't, you don't think that he's just talking about Mordecai for Mordecai's sake. Mordecai the who? The Jew. Still sitting. When he's supposed to be in the grave. I know my purpose. I won't allow wealth to rob me of my purpose. That's what that guy, that evil guy said. I won't allow promotion, popularity to rob me of it. That's what that evil guy said. And with all your righteousness, you still don't understand. Running after shadows. Running after things that don't matter. Running after things that are not eternal. Jesus said, labor not for the bread that perish it. I just pray. You know, Bible says all the things that are written in the Bible are for our examples. I just pray we can learn a lesson from Hey man. After all, Bible says, go to the ants. So if he wants us to learn from ants, how much more? Haman hey knew the difference between excitement and fulfillment. It's sad that many of us don't. Too sad that many of us don't. I can't forget the story of Abishab Idausa. I can't forget it. When money was still money. In the 70s. He and his wife went visiting T.L. Osborne. 
And then Tia Losborn said, all right. Took them in the car. Took them around the city of Tulsa. Took them to three different houses. It as I said, the beautiful, the most beautiful, and the, I've forgotten the name, he called the third one. He said, so when they brought us to the first one, it's a five-bedroom duplex, this and that. I said, wow, there is life over. This is good. They, they took us to another one. That one has a beautiful fireplace, room for the children, uh, playing games, and this and this and that. He said, we don't need to go to any other place. I choose this. I said, wait now, let's still take you to. So they took him to the wealthiest place in the neighborhood. And then he almost fell down by reason of what he saw. We swim pool in the house. Every... He said, before anything could say anything, I started speaking in tongues. For this is the house that the Lord has given to his son. He said, my wife was excited. He said, my wife said, this is where we will leave. And then Tia husband said, don't worry, all expenses will be on the ministry. So just choose whichever. He said, there's no need to choose. This is the one. He said, he went home. He couldn't sleep. The wife couldn't sleep. For what? For joy. And then God spoke to him. He said, son, get up, pack your bags and baggages. Go back to Nigeria. That is where I have called you to serve me. He said, I said, I bind you, devil, in the name of Jesus. He said, devil said, I am not. He said, the voice said, I am not devil. I am your heavenly father. He said, I began to cry. He said, because he said, if you don't go, if you stay in this place, I will kill you. So he said, I woke my wife. Now, they were going, looking for purpose. They found excitement. That's my point. They found excitement. But he was wise enough not to choose excitement over fulfillment of purpose. So he told, he told the wife, he said, God said, we are going home today. He said, what about the house? He said, God said, if we go there, he will kill me. He said, you are the one he told. <laughs> Tell him to speak to me. <laughs> Tell him to speak. You are the one he told. It's you he wants to kill, not me. <laughs> you go. I will. So he said, he went to, he went to T.L. Osborne's, you know, room, knocked the door and said, Papa, I want to go home. Mommy husband said, Benson, excitement has entered your head. Go and sleep. Because it was like just for him in the morning. He said, go and sleep. When is morning with us? He said, no, I can't sleep. I have already packed my load. I have already packed my baggage. God said, if I stay here any longer, he will kill me. I want to go home. Of course, years down the line, 
what God gave to him was far better than what he wanted to die for. Fulfillment will only come to you when you are within the context of the will of God. That's just the truth. Purpose is more important than prosperity. Now that is already self-explanatory from some of the few things I've said. If you have prosperity and you don't understand your God-given purpose, you will end up consumed by that prosperity. Bible says, the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. A fool is the man who is walking outside of purpose. Now, when Esther came to the king, Bible says, after fasting and prayer, Bible says the king stretched for the golden scepter. I said, what is it you want, King Esther? Queen Esther? I will give it to you. Even up to what? Half of my kingdom. Now, but Esther understood purpose. She didn't say, okay, let's collect that one first and then we find a way to, to sort the matter. I mean, because you should wonder, what is it in purpose? That will make a person turn down half of a kingdom that was ruling over 127 countries. I don't want to go there, but I remember the story of Herodias and her daughter. Their purpose was to have the head of John the Baptist cut off. And in the process of getting that purpose, the king offered them half of the kingdom. What is it about purpose that will make them drop half of the kingdom? Because of just the head of one man. Somebody say purpose. Just, John was just one man. Now, I didn't mean his head was made of gold. Maybe I will understand. You know what I'm if John's head was made of gold or diamond, I'll say, okay, maybe they think that the cost of half of the kingdom put together will, not, will still not measure up to the... Maybe they think that, okay, some other armies can come and conquer this kingdom or whatever, whatever, but we can keep this diamond. Purpose. You can understand why when a man has found purpose and he sticks to it, God sticks with that man. You can understand why now. Now Moses, God said to Moses, God said, you know, he called him, he said, go to Egypt, go and bring out that people to the land that I have prepared for them. That was his purpose. Along the way, God said to him, I changed my mind. I'm going to kill all these people and then I will promote you. To a great nation. So on the way to fulfilling purpose, Moses met another kind of exaltation that will make his name another kind of name on the earth. Moses said, instead of you to make me not to fulfill purpose, Kuku remove my name from your book. I can understand why David will now say thy loving kindness is better than life. When a man does not experience the mercy and loving kindness of God that makes him stay in purpose, it's better that that man is not alive. Purpose 
is more important than power. If you have power and you don't understand purpose and you are not in purpose, that power will destroy you. And so I said, before you ask for power, ask for purpose. All the people on the, in fact, the reason why they're on the mountain asking for power is because they don't understand purpose. Because there is always power resident inside purpose. Are you with me? There is power resident where? Inside purpose. Let me speed up. This time is running more than I want it to run. Purpose is more important than reputation and popularity. And some people are so concerned about their reputation that they forget their purpose. Let me tell you a story very quickly. It was 2008, yeah? December. I went to preach in... Um, I've told that story before. I don't know whether in any of this conference or summit. I went to a city. It's called Item. Item is actually a people group in Abia State. So they have... Okoko item, Kanu item, or something about five different, you know, communities that come together to form the item people. So every year they run um, a crusade. Um, they run individual crusade, crusades in each of the villages. This year, the following year, they will run the crusade together. All of them will come together. And Umaupai was their regular guest speaker for the, you know, main crusade every two, two years. So, one of them, or some of them, had been in my conferences in Aba and, you know, Umuahia, a few of those places. So, when they were going to have the conference for 2000, I mean, the crusade for 2008, they decided, because of the pressure of those who had attended my meeting, that let's also have a minister's conference to go on with this program. So, they invited me. It was a very bad day, the day I arrived there. Bad in the sense that my flight that was supposed to be 11 o'clock in the morning, I didn't leave Lagos until 6.30 in the evening, and I had not eaten at all. So, I got to Imo uh, Airport around 7.30. Those who came to pick me didn't come until another one and a half hours. They had problems on the way. I still had two hours, two hour journey to get to the place. 10.30 to 11, we got there. I had not eaten since morning. So we got there, so they took me to where I would lodge. When I got there, I mean, it was obvious, even in the dark, it was obvious that no one had been in that place or slept in that place for at least five years. Dusty would be an understatement. Now, what happened was that there was a particular place they intended that I should stay, but the man who, who, who was attached to me seemed to have had personal issues with the owner of the house that I was supposed to stay. And the owner of the house I was supposed to stay was junior to him in age. So he felt the man was doing younger too much. He said, no, 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 let me take you to the, to the palace of the Igwe. So they took me to the palace of the Igwe and the apartment they would give me was where no one had been for... The bed they gave me to sleep was unsleepable. So I decided to sleep on the couch. I said, well, whatever the case, just give me food. I want to eat. They brought the food 12.30 after midnight. Ask me what they brought for me. Indomie. 
the man said, they prepared Gary for you. But I said, how can you give Gary to a man of God coming from Lagos? So I went and prepared Indomie. <laughs> oh, God. I was getting angry. I woke up in the morning without sleeping well. I wanted to have my bath. They put water in the bathroom for me. There was no cup or bowl to put the water. You know, little things can make you angry. I didn't like it. I told them, I will give them a piece of my mind. You don't invite a man of God and treat him like this. So, long story cut short. God began to speak to me. He said, son, he said, why are you here? What kind of a question is that? I ask you again, why are you here? In my heart, I was still saying to God, what kind of a question are you asking me? Then he asked, did you come here to eat? I said, no. He said, then don't let food matter disturb the purpose for which you are here. He said, did you come here to sleep? I said, no. He said, then don't let the sleeping arrangement disturb the purpose. Because I said I was angry. You can't be angry and do the kind of job God has given me to do. That's just the truth. He said, did you come here to sleep? I said, no. He said, don't let the sleeping arrangement destroy the purpose for which you are here. He said, did you come here to bath? <laughs> what kind of question are you asking me? Won't I bath? Did you come here to bath? Okay, no. Alright. So, whatever they did in the... Don't let bathroom matters. Don't let it matter beyond your purpose or above your purpose. So, I received the comfort of the Lord and then I decided that I decided that I won't give them the peace of my mind that I wanted to give them. Only to hear later, for instance, just one of them, for instance, that it is their culture. I don't know whether some evil people here are here. It's their culture. They use hand to pour water into their body in their bathroom. They say, you just do that. I say, eh. So, but my point is this. They really didn't mean any harm. The man who brought me in, told me 12, 30 a.m., he didn't mean any harm. But when you are too concerned about your status and, and, and uh, popularity and your, uh, your whatever, whatever reputation, the reputation you did here, Bible says Jesus made himself of no reputation and you want to die because of your reputation. The one who had reputation made himself of no reputation. You that you don't have reputation, that can be called reputation. You want to, you want to destroy the whole world because of the reputation that is not reputation. The reputation that has no repute. With all your man of God, where did they know you? Even in this Ijebubo, there are people who don't know me. In this Ijebubo, you go to them and say, we walk, they say, who is that? And then I will now say, I have a reputation. And I will allow that reputation to rob me of the opportunity of fulfilling my purpose. Then I'm a fool. 
Because they didn't introduce you as Reverend Doctor Apostle Bishop Afebioye, then you are angry. And you will quote scripture. After all, the Bible says, honor. Give honor to whom it is due. They didn't call me prophet when I got there. And God has told me that I should be addressed as prophet. If I want the prophetic anointing to flow. Nonsense. Nonsense. Somebody say purpose. purpose. Say it again. Say purpose. purpose. Say it again. Say purpose. purpose. Let me drop these few things with you. Four things and then we close this one. Ah, God help me. Our time is fast spent but I think it's well spent. Praise God. I said our time is fast spent but I think it is well spent. How do you find and fulfill purpose? I will drop four things. There are many other things I could say. But I'll drop just four things. Number one, a life in tune with God will discover and fulfill purpose. Proper meaningful communion with God is fundamental if you will find and fulfill purpose. And we're talking about the kind of communion that gives you opportunity to know what is going on in the heart of God. Because of my time, I'm just going to read through these. Now you remember the story in Acts chapter 13, 1 to 4. Bible says in the church that was at Antioch there were prophets and teachers such as Barnabas and Simeon and whatever and Paul or Saul rather and then as they ministered together and prayed you know they were fasting and praying now they weren't fasting and praying for any blessing or for their enemies to die or for their ministry to grow they were only you know Oftentimes, we use the term seeking the face of God when we are only seeking the things of God. They, they will say, I want to go and seek the face of God. When in reality, what they want to go and do is to go and do what? Seek the things of God. So the kind of communion I'm talking about is the one that seeks the face of God. If you have that as a regular routine, you will find purpose and you'll be able to fulfill it. When you have that kind of communion, even when your purpose agenda is divinely changed or altered, you will know. Because don't assume that purpose will always be the same throughout a lifetime. Don't assume. I said something somewhere, I think it was in Ottawa last week or so. I, won't, I can't preach it, but I'll just mention it. And I said something close to it this morning, that God just knew that Israel would be in Egypt for 400 years. It wasn't his plan. Joseph had a 14-year assignment in Egypt. How many years? Seven years to gather the corn, seven years to distribute it. After that, you will not hear of him again. But he didn't leave. And the Yoruba people say, when you, are, when you are spent too long on shit, the kind of fly that shouldn't meet you there, will meet you there. And so a king arose. 
Danilo Joseph. Because his purpose had expired. And he knew. He knew. Because when he was going to die, some 66 years or thereabout after his purpose had expired, because he died at 110, he told them, he said, I am dying now, but God will take you out of this land. Don't leave my bones here. That statement itself means he knew he was not even supposed to be buried in that land. Because he was not supposed to die in that land. So don't assume that purpose can be... A few people know me when ministry started. There are people today who still call me evangelist. God's purpose for Samuel was to be the judge and leader of Israel. But when God changed that purpose to the purpose of a kingmaker, communion, proper communion with God helped me to understand. Otherwise, he would have fought all those people. God ordained and installed me here to be the judge over Israel. I have not finished my business. I'm still alive. You can take my position when I am still alive. When I die, you can choose kings for yourself. But as long as I am here and I'm alive and I am still a man of God, I'm still a seer, I'm still seeing vision. King, call. King but because he had beautiful communion with the father father said hearken to them give them a king which means purpose did what changed let me ask you a question I don't know whether I wrote it in your in your note the question is this if you have no need if you had no need if you have no need, you don't need anything, what will be left of your communion with God? You have no need at all. There's nothing you are looking for again in life. You have everything. Of course, that's not really possible, but let's assume you have everything. What will remain of your communion with God? What will remain of your prayer life? Now, whatever remains is the true measure of your prayer life. In other words, minus all your needs from your prayer time and see what is left. If something is left, you have a prayer life. If nothing is left, even if you are used to praying 10 hours and it's all about what you are looking for. And I'm not saying those things you are looking for are evil. I'm talking of evil ministerial things. Because it could be ministry that you are looking for. Power in your ministry. Progress in your ministry. Advancement in your ministry. All of those things are what? Needs. Not be so. Okay, so let's now assume that the 50,000 auditorium you want to build, God has built it. You prayed in the vision you saw, people will fill that 50,000 and there will be overflow. God has done that. You now have the overflow. You are prayed and in the vision you saw, you saw yourself flying in your own private jet. God has given you five private jets. And that he has given you money that you can never finish spending for the rest of your life. So what will remain of your prayer life? Whatever remains is the true strength or measure of your prayer life. Number two, right spiritual relationships will help you discover and fulfill purpose. 
Now every purpose is established by counsel. Proverbs 20 and verse 18. Now what kind of relationships will feed you with the appropriate counsels you need are the relationships you should have in your life. Praise the Lord. And so there are three or at least two dimensions. You need proper spiritual parenting and mentoring. Now incidentally I spoke about that last month. I spoke about it in January. So that it is recurring and recurring. God is saying something to those who are, who are yet to hear. Now people like Joshua, Elisha, Timothy, Titus had their spiritual leaders or fathers or parents to thank for finding and fulfilling purpose because without a Moses there will never be have been a Joshua and without an Elijah there will never have been an Elisha without a Paul Timothy and Titus may never have been you must find your Paul you must find your Elijah you must find your Moses now Elisha for example was already a very very successful man before he found purpose so there can be success by worldly standard outside of purpose I must have said it before many of you may also be aware of it Ken Hagen already had a very flourishing popular ministry without finding purpose and then one day he found purpose. I was also doing some little, little well before I found purpose. Praise God. I say praise God. I say praise God. But people like Saul and Jeroboam and Demas, they abused the opportunities that God blessed them with through the spiritual leaders he gave them. And I'm, I'm, I'm interested in particular in the case of that man called Jeroboam. Now, Bible says, Ahijah the prophet, the Shilonite, called this guy and declared God's purpose for his life to him. And by the word of that prophet, that guy went ahead and found that purpose and started fulfilling that purpose. But the moment he found purpose, he forgot his source. And the moment he forgot his source, he started sliding on the slope of purpose. Till he slid out of purpose. And in the day of trouble, he was not looking for him. The man that was not a part of your joy and successes can never be a part of the problem now, when your problem arises. He didn't even allow him to enter. Say, go and tell him. <laughs> go and tell the wife that he, he sent. Now that is where this woman called Esther is different. Esther found purpose by reason of a man called Mordecai. Mordecai was the one who showed her what to do. How to get to where she got to. And when she got there, Mordecai was the one who showed her what to do there. Mordecai was the one who told her, listen, you are brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. If you don't do it, this is what will happen. If you do it, this is what will happen. 
And when the woman eventually became the queen, you know, she did it. Bible says, even as queen, she continued to do as Mordecai bid her. May God give you wisdom. Amen. I mean true wisdom. Amen. Because some of you, out of what you call wisdom, you disqualified yourself from wisdom. You became mature. You became on your own. Like it happened to Duncan Williams many years ago. He said, it is true God used you. He was talking to us. It is true God used you, but now, I'm on my own. At the rate that you God has brought me, I can run the rest of the race by myself. That was, I said, okay, you're a big man now. It's all right. And you don't need your father anymore. That's okay. From today, I remove my hand from your life and ministry. That's all. That's all he said. And all the trouble in the world started happening to that man. All the trouble in the world. He said, there was no prayer. I didn't pray. I prayed and prayed and prayed and fasted and fasted. I went all the mountains. I consulted and consulted and consulted. Things were just getting worse. So then one day, one elderly man, I went to him and he said to me, he said, God said to me, you have touched his anointed. He said, then you pray for me and break the thing. He said, no, 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 go and find him. When the trouble was brewing, he does not send people to him with a letter. He tore the letter. He said, what are you talking about? He tore it. Bishop Coker said, Nicholas, do you understand what you are doing? He said, what are you talking about? I know what I'm doing. I'm a man myself now. <laughs> but when he found mercy, he went to Idaosa. And Idaosa just said, I don't even know whether to call that a prayer. He just said, Satan, this is between me and my son. Get out of the matter. And that was all. That was, he never said more than that. That was all. You see, there are principles. I have told you before. Fatherhood is a... Don't listen to what they are saying to you. Fatherhood is a... I said not even Jesus could operate on this earth without it. He needs to be addressed as Jesus, the son of somebody on the earth. Even if that somebody didn't give back to him, as we all know. Even if he never really needed that somebody, but because it is a principle. I remember talking about this the other time and I used your driver's Your driver's license is not what makes you drive. Your driver's license is not what gives you the ability to drive, but it gives you the legality to drive. Spiritual parenting gives you the legality to operate on the earth. Without it, you don't have legitimacy on the earth. Without it, you can't do anything fundamental on the earth. Without it, you can't do anything that will impact on the kingdom of God and kingdom of darkness. Forget about all the hula baloos going on around. Forget about it. And that's the difference between uh, 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 Esther and Vashti. Vashti had nobody to speak to her. 
Vashti had nobody to tell her, for instance, you don't speak to kings like this. But from the mentoring of Mordecai, what do you call her name? Esther knew that to approach king, you do fasting and prayer. You are peace. Your man peace. I want pure You are peace them. You don't talk to power. You are peace power. Because if because of your head, he has cut it off. Nothing. Okay. He said, Vashti, you can't appear before the king again. End of story. And nobody could change it. Even he himself, when he felt a longing for Vashti, he couldn't change it. So Vashti had nobody to encourage her. She had nobody to mentor her. She had nobody to show her the way they do things. She had nobody to give her wisdom, the counsel of God. She had nobody to help her through the journey of life. Don't run the journey of life all by yourself. God never made any man to do it that way. Even if you have been able to succeed thus far by yourself and on your own, a day is coming, a time is coming when you will need what I'm talking to you about. Let me quickly remind you that Vashti was already made before she needed the help of a mentor. I mean, Bible says King was doing his own party. She also was doing her own party. All the women refused to go to the king's party. She went, they went to her own party. Because they themselves were afraid of the power of Vashti. That if we don't go to a mama's party, when the trouble starts, the king will not be around the corner to help us. He will be too busy with state matters. And you know, you can't, go, you can't just approach the king. If we can just approach him now, that would have been a different case. But we can't just approach the king. You better let us go to mama's party so that we save ourselves from what? From trouble. Vashti was that power. In any case, there must be something to go to lay down for the king to call you and you say, I'm not coming. If that, that, that couldn't have been an empty boast. She must have assessed her power and felt that that one can at least hold some water. So she was already self-made. She was already a power, a force to be reckoned with. So you can be a force to be reckoned with in the ministry. It doesn't mean you don't need what you should need. Because the day will come. The day we come. It is possible you have the command of everybody. Even the sons of Issachar, who knew who had the understanding of the times and all their brethren are in their command, they still needed a king to submit to. Listen, you are who you are. You cannot be who you are not. You can't be a son and a father at the same time to yourself. You don't get what I'm saying? I can be a father to some other people. Okay? But I can't be a son and a father to myself. It's not possible. You can't run anymore. So have right mentoring. 
Right spiritual parenting, it will help you. It will help you. It will help you. I don't know whether it's in your note also, but just a word, a quick word to fathers here. Please be a good father. Like Mordecai. Who will not cash in on the successes of their spiritual children? Okay, because your spiritual children is not the managing director of First Bank. That's the reason why you're always asking him for money. Bad father. Stupid father. Foolish father. Because you don't have a car and your spiritual children, they have 20 cars and you are saying, haven't you prayed? Don't you think the Lord is telling you to give me one of the cars? You should know how to listen to God. Go and pray again. Go and pray again. If you are here, you are doing certain things. May God have mercy on you. Go and change. Don't use what God has given. We prayed about that in the beginning. Manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with that. And I say for the giver of the gift, not for yourself. If I had a revelation that my son or my daughter or anybody gives me a car, you will hire that person or anybody will never hear it from my mouth. Lie, lie. Even if God comes down like this, I mean God, I mean God, capital G, capital O, capital D, comes down physically like this and say, my son, my son, my son, I have said, pastor, should give you his only car, give you his only watch, give you his only shoe, today, today, today. You won't hear it from my mouth. Sorry, I'm not saying it. <laughs> you won't hear it from my mouth. I had God, yes. But you won't hear it from my mouth. Because I must preserve that thing they call integrity. And I, I, was, I was telling some people, I said, it is a fool that uses all the opportunities he has. Because the day will come when you truly, look, all of you forgive me that I have to, I don't know why I'm speaking this one. All of you that used to borrow money, take money, beg for money from your spiritual sons or spiritual daughters or anybody for that matter, you better go and stop it. Because the day when you will really, 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 really need that money. All the days you didn't really, 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 really need it, that you need it and you asked will spoil the day when you really, 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 really need it. Because in any case, the day you really need it, and you are calling that person, he will say, that is how he does work. They will draw your attention to it. Hey, Pastor, sir, so-so-so uh, is calling. Say, I know, just leave him. I know what he wants to talk about. And before you know what is happening, they will block your line. What a shame. Man of God. Your spiritual children blocking your line. You should, you, you should use your two hands to cover your face. And borrow other people's hand to join it to cover your face. The secondly, you must have what I call right association. The kind of people that surrounds your life determines whether you will fulfill purpose or not. Listen, if you walk with people who are going nowhere, you will also get nowhere. If you walk with people who make light of the things that matter to you, you will never matter in life. 
some years ago, a few years ago, a friend of mine said something relating to my ministry. I didn't like it and I will not take it. And I told him so very close friend. I told him so very, look, there are things that matter to me. You, you talk in a way that is, that, is, that is less than what I want about the things that matter to me. You get the redness of my eye. That's just it. What I lay my own life down for. You now talk about it as if it's not anything important. And you expect me to just keep quiet and be looking at you. No. You will see the other side of me. It's like somebody should even touch my wife now. You will see the other. I mean, you, I don't talk. I'm a very gentle person. But I can be ungentle. If you touch the things that touch me. <laughs> One day. Uh, I'm sorry I'm taking your time, but I, I, I'm enjoying myself in the presence of the Lord. One, one day, uh, Maurice, a of blessed memory, was praying, and he told the Lord, he said, Lord, I want to be like Abraham. So one day, as he was praying that prayer and all of that, God said to him, can you lie and say your wife is your sister? He said, oh, no, 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 no. And if a man takes your wife because you said it's your sister, uh, will you just be... He didn't even allow God to finish talking. Before he said, I will kill the man. <laughs> he said, God, you know me. I will kill the man. <laughs> I'll, kill, I'll kill the man. Number what now? I mean, look at Paul's company. In Acts 13, I've read that. I think to you. Now, should have been the king of Israel. I don't know whether you know that. But by just walking with one stupid boy because the boy was his cousin his, his total destiny was totally ruined. Ah, you better mind who you walk with. Proverbs 13, 20 he that walks with the wise shall be wise. A companion of fools shall be destroyed. Number three never desire what God does not desire for you. Now no matter how good that thing is Listen, we are not here to run our agenda. We are not here to live our lives. There is nothing like, I just want to live my life. There's nothing like that. Because you actually don't have your life. I told you in the beginning, he gave it to you. It's not yours. The life you have is not yours. Paul said, I've been, Galatians 3, 220, I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. He said, the life I live now, I live by the faith of the Son of God. He said, he said not I. It's no longer my life. That life is not yours. So you can't live your life because it's not yours. So don't desire what God does not desire for you if you want to fulfill purpose. I had to train myself not to desire other things in ministry because I had things that appeal to me more than what I'm doing now. That's the truth. Because I've seen the other side of ministry also. And I've spoken, I must have spoken about some of those things here before. And I always apologize when I speak in about this matter because I, when I speak, the way I'm about to speak now is like I'm, I'm trying to speak, you know, uh, talk you down. But, but that's not what I'm doing. Okay? That's not what I'm doing. I was in a, we had a minister's conference in Nota. The man that organized the conference didn't have a church. So I was asking him, I said, pastors that are here, when the thing goes so bad, 
at least one member or the other will hear God and say, take food to, to pastor. I said, sir, how many pastors, you organize this conference for pastors, how many pastors have brought food to you? He said, none. I said, that's the calling. Pastors don't give. Pastors don't give testimonies. There is nothing you do for pastor. He sees it as because he's used to receiving and not what? Not giving. Everything, they are like kings. Everything must be, you know, Solambola Fioba. And they don't have enough intelligence to know that of the things that come to them, that is a portion for others. And that's the reason why some of us, our lives are the way they are. Because everything that comes to you, you eat it alone. You eat it alone. You serve nobody. You bless nobody. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says to God, Lord, thank you for Pastor so, 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 so. It's a terrible life to live on. I'm telling you, it's a terrible life. So I had, I had things I would have loved to do. Not this one. Though I'm loving this one. Because each time I'm doing it, that's my best moment in life. Okay? But I had to train myself to love it. I had to train myself not to desire what God has not desired for me. I had to. If you let your mind just do whatever it wants, you will, you will be destroyed. Though. If you just let your mind do what appeals to it, what catches its fancy, and you say, so long as it is good, so long as it is righteous, so long as it is biblical, so long as it is... Uh, they told Jesus, come and uh, speak to my brother to divide the inheritance between us. What is evil about that? Huh? What is ungodly about after all? Blessed are the peacemakers. But Jesus, because he understood purpose, he said, Who made me a judge? And uh, go and search. That's not part of my calling. You know what Paul said? He said, I have you people are fighting. He said, You are saying some are for Apollos, some are for Paul. He said, who is Paul? Who is Apollo? Did I baptize you in my name? In any case, I didn't even baptize anybody. It's only, hey, I remember the household of scriptures or whatever. That's all. I didn't baptize anybody because Christ has not called me to what? Say purpose. What is wrong with baptizing people? Was it not commanded? Eh? Go ye into the world and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy. Is that not what was commanded? But within the confines of the go ye command, there are specialties. There are purposes designed, divided, and directed. The one that is directed to you is your own. If the baptism part of it, if you are, if you are raised to be baptizing people, Go ahead and be baptizing people. That's what you were raised for. If you are raised to be doing naming ceremony, go ahead. There's nothing wrong with naming ceremony. I have told people again and again, if you call me to come and preach in your revival, and he calls me to come and speak at minister's conference, you already know my choice. It has nothing to do with whether I like one or I don't like one. 
Like I told them a few weeks, a few days ago, may I not die when I'm conducting them in ceremony. I would rather die when I'm doing this one. I'm preaching now and I fall down, boo. Ah, no problem. You even see me in my deadness, I will be smiling. I'm already dead, though. You will see it. You just see me smiling. But if I was doing them, he said, <laughs> and I wonder that like, you will see my face will be tight. But ah, Oluwa. Because his master must find him doing so. He must find him. There was a man, I don't have time. Let me just drop all of these things. I was going to tell you about Ahimas. She mentioned Ahimas when she was leading prayer. She said, I want to go and run an errand to the king. They said, don't go. You don't have a good errand. It's not your calling. He said, let me run nevertheless. He overran the man who had the calling. I don't know whether you know the story. He overran the man who had the calling and when he got there and he stopped his rubbish, they said, God said to David, it's good you want to build a house for me, but that's not part of your purpose. He would have lost his place in destiny if he went ahead to build a house. He would have been doing something good. Number four, finally. You must define everything from the perspective of your God-given purpose. Everything. Everything you say to me, I'm thinking about what God has called me to do. Where does what you are saying to me fit into what God has called me? That's what I'm thinking. If you say you are coming to visit me, I'm already thinking, how does that relate to what God has called me to do? If you come into whatever, association, whatever, you call me for a meeting. There are meetings people invite me to that I don't go because I'm just thinking, how does that relate to? There are meetings I've been called to that we give good money. I mean, when I say good money, I mean that one. Good money. And I have had to go to where there will be no money, not to talk of good money. By just settling one question. The question of what? Purpose. And God has often confirmed it. That son you did well. Let's stand up. 